0: Good morning, y'all. Happy Father's Day. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Sam Woldridge, and I came into this fellowship ooh, 30-something years ago. And uh, I spent some time here, but then work and life and everything else got in my way. And uh, I have recently just come back. And, and when I say that, I mean I've recently really just come back. Um, the Lord really got a hold of me and uh, pulled my chain pretty hard and said, What are you doing, boy? Why are you out there in this mess that you're in? And so I had visited around. I'm not going to go through my testimony again because most of you had already heard it, but I looked around and the Lord brought me back here. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. Um, I don't want to be cheesy, but it's kind of like feels like I've come home, you know. And the Lord is beginning to build back into my life a love for this church, for this fellowship. For Mac and I spent a lot of time talking over the last few years, and it didn't t- or last couple of months. And it didn't take him long to say, "I want you to tell your story." So it was like three months after I had repented and uh, started uh, trying to live walking with Jesus. Um, So it's been a while, and I'll just give you an update. I cannot even go into the detail of how the Lord has begun to work in my, my, not just my life, but in my family's life. Uh, I wouldn't want to throw anybody under the bus, but we've got some real stuff in our family, and I think a lot of people do today. I think a lot of people are facing these issues. But what I do see is, and I have nothing to do with this, but what I do see is that somehow this pitiful jar of clay and this testimony that I'm trying to live out in front of my children and the rest of my family is actually having some effect. I'm, seeing, I'm hearing conversations that a couple of years ago I never would have thought would, uh, would come up. So I just want to give God glory. I want to honor Jesus this morning. Uh, with uh, It's not a do this and I'll do that. It's a humble yourself and walk with me and see what happens. And that's where we are. My wife is beginning to, she's seeing it. And you can't blame her for wanting to step back and watch me and go, I'm just making sure that you're not going to do the same thing you did all these years. I love that about her because that holds me accountable. And it's it's true. Guys, husbands, fathers, if you have a wife that will hold you accountable without being totally miserable about it, then you're lucky, and God is giving you her for a reason. And it would probably do us some good, man, to listen to our wives once in a while, because they are a lot smarter about a lot of things than we are. This morning, I want to uh, just spend a little bit of time in Romans. I don't know if Mac knew. He knew that I was going to try to speak out of Romans chapter 15, that may have something to do with us picking this uh, the passage that we read. But if you have your Bible um, and you want to read along with me, I'm going to jump from chapter 13, 14, and then to 15 because I want to get the feel of this. Uh, Paul ha- was writing this, and he he winds up in chapter 13 where he talks about, you know, pay your taxes give to God what is God's, we give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We are not allowed to just skip over the law of the land. The Lord says that we have to honor that law. And so he had just got done telling them, don't, uh, don't think that you can just skip out on, on what you owe. And then he comes in on, chap- on verse 8 in chapter 13, and this kind of lays the foundation. He says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. So, We owe that to each other, to love one another. And it doesn't have to be that gushy love that the world thinks is love. It's the kind of love that is patient and tolerant and cares for the other person. And that spills into our families. It spills into the friends that we know, to our coworkers, everyone around us and that's kind of what I was trying to get at in the beginning is that I'm beginning to see that this love that I have rediscovered for Jesus is beginning to spill over into other people's lives. So I'm not the prime example, but it is an example of how the Holy Spirit works in your life when you when you commit yourself. So we are to love one another And I think this is something that we should latch on. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. I spent a lot of years trying to fulfill the law on my own steam. Anybody else done that? Well, if I just do this and that, if I go to church, man, like all those years I was working, if I could just get to church, if I could just get, you know, back in and, and... you know, put my time in, I'm sure that my walk would improve. And uh, that's not the case. It just wasn't the case for me. Um, And so what what I've seen over this last year and a half is that we come closer to God. We come closer to being godly. We become closer to what He wants when we're willing to step out of the way and be humble, and actually extend our love to someone who really, in our opinion, doesn't deserve it. Uh, That is not easy. It is not easy. Some of you know my story. Some of you have these stories. And if I went by the world's standard, I would have no contact with my children at all. I would have written them off. I would have said, you are just beyond help. I'm not going to let you come in and cause all this chaos in my life anymore. That isn't what the Lord wants of us, especially in our families, especially among those who we claim to love. Um, But the good news is, is that if we can look past our own selves, our own desires and our own wants for Ourselves and other people, we can find that we can actually love them on a level that is not what the world says is love. It's a much deeper love. Um, And it's a love that's graceful and it's forgiving. It doesn't look past sin, it might have to call out sin. But it's a love that's from the heart, from deep in the soul. That only the Holy Spirit can give to you. Only uh, by God's grace are we able to extend any part of the type of love that he gives to us. We're humans, so let's try to grab for what we can get, (laughs) is my encouragement. Because love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Man, that's two times within three verses that we're told that the law is fulfilled when we love our neighbor. And so I go to verse uh, 1 in chapter 14. He says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So we have people in our lives who may be believers, they may be on the edge of committing to Jesus, they may be in the process of being called, we, I, I'm going to stop saying we, I have to really be careful that I don't focus on what they're struggling with and putting it in the forefront that blocks my ability to communicate with them and to be a help to them. Because I know for a fact, maybe you've seen this too, when you are trying to help someone um, become closer to Christ, who's right on the edge, if you beat them over the head with their sin nonstop, they're going to do this to the switch. Turn it off. Now, there's a place where we have to call out sin. That's part of our duty as believers. We're not supposed to just gloss over it and act like it's okay. But at the same time, we have to pray and I have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach me. How did Jesus love this person? How did Jesus reach out to those people that were thrown away by his society? And we, Mac, preached on that a little bit last weekend. There are segments of our culture that we as the church, not this church, but the church, have said, well, yeah, we're going to love everybody, but we're not going to love them. We can't love them because they're so sinful. And I get that. I get that. I walked that road for a long time. Until I was confronted with family members who were in the them category. What are you going to do with your kids, your sister or brother, or your aunt or your uncle that's caught up in a lifestyle that is so not what God wants? Well, what I'm doing is I'm keeping my mouth shut. Until I have to say something about what it is they're caught up in. And I'm not going to go into detail. You know what I'm talking about. But I can love them. And I can love them in ways that they know that I mean what I'm saying. And so I think that's what Paul's getting at. But he's specifically talking about in the church. If we have a brother or a sister... Who is new to the faith, or it could be someone who's been a believer for a long time, but they just never did progress. They're not moving ahead, in our opinion. It isn't right for us to, or I don't believe that is what the scripture teaches, that we're supposed to just hammer them all the time about how they're not leading a Sunday school class, or they're not leading out in visitation, or, you know, those types of things. Excellent works. Works that should be going on in the church. But we have to have some patience and a little bit of grace towards people that are trying to make progress in the Lord. And how do we do that? We can do that through discipleship. We can do that by coming along beside them and saying, "Hey, would you like me to walk with you through these things and and I can uh share in your life, you can share in my life." And we can help you to gain strength in the Lord. And uh, that's part of what's happened for me over the last year and a half is we've had a lot of good conversations about deep things that I struggled with as far as just what's right and wrong. This world will trip you up if you're not careful. Because we get so many different opinions from people in authority that are over us about what's right and wrong. But this word will tell you, tells me, it's not that hard. I just have to get out of the way. I have to be humble. I have to let Jesus work through me and not let my pride get in the way of a conversation that I could be having on a level that would reach this person. And so within the church, we want to be very careful that we don't pass judgment on someone. And I'll give you an example I knew some uh, guys in college that were involved in a prison ministry, and uh, they came back and kind of gave a report, and the guy that was preaching was the head of it. He was a rough guy. I'm not sure that he hadn't done time himself, um, but he was totally converted, you know, and had this fire for the Lord. But he was telling a story about how he had taken some people with him from whatever church, I'm not sure, the local church, and uh, they'd gone for visitation at the penitentiary. And they had had this wonderful time, you know, they had a good Bible study, and they had really just had a good bonding fellowship with some of the inmates that were in a circle of men that wanted to be in a Bible study. And when it was all said and done... Um, you know, they broke up, and they were having coffee and stuff. And one of the guys that was with them looked over, and one of the guys that had been one of the inmates was over by the coke machine smoking a cigarette. And he went ballistic. He pulled this pastor friend of mine over because I can't believe that guy. I mean, we just got talking about the Lord, and there he is over there smoking a cigarette. And this guy looked him in the eye and he said, he's in for murder. So you need to back off a little bit. Okay, that cigarette is not going to damn him to hell when he's accepted Christ. But what we need to understand is we have people all around us that are in those same situations and we are very hypocritical to point the finger at them and say, because you do this, You just can't be a believer. There's just no way you can be a believer. I cannot go against that hard enough um, because I come from a people. I come from people who have been beat down by life and they have things in their life that don't fit the mold at all. But I love them and I'm going to keep loving them and I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep trying to live my life for the Lord so that they see. A change can come about if you're willing to let that happen. And then it says in chapter 15 verse one, "Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach thee fell upon me. Who is our neighbor? Certainly the people that are in our families, they're our neighbors. We may not look at it like that. But the word, I did my study right, (laughs) is... The Greek word is alilon, and I probably didn't pronounce it right, but it's pretty close. And basically what that means is one another. So we're all neighbors, one another, we believe the same things, we're here to glorify God and to... Further the gospel, and so that's one aspect of what a neighbor is. But then there, the in uh, Romans thirteen eight, you don't have to go there, but I'll read it for you. Again, he says, "Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law." And then verse, and that is the meaning of uh, alelon is. That those of us who are alike. So we know that through Paul's other writings about how the, the church is a body and we're all members, and so we should have this love amongst us. And I think we do. I'm not the barometer, but I think I sense that. I think most people that come in here sense that there's a love amongst us. But there's another meaning for the word of neighbor, and it uh, is used in verse 10 where he says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And that word is heteros. And that means different. That means other. Those who are not among us. Those who are different from us. And I grew up in that... Southern, Southern Southern, Baptist upbringing. And I can tell you, there were absolutely people that we just were not interested in those days. We just didn't want to cross those barriers. And I think those barriers have come down for a reason. I think that we, we must recognize that our neighbors are everyone around us. So how does that play out? I'm dry as a bone. Please excuse me. I got to drink this. <laughs> how, how that plays out for me is, I whittled it down and whittled it down, and I shrunk the concept until I understood where does this start, and where it starts is in my home. It starts in how I deal with my wife, my daughter, my sons, my grandchildren. And I understand that in the heat of the moment, of course, we're human and we lose it. And sometimes we say things that we wish we had not said. My suggestion is to get on your knees and repent immediately. Because it just doesn't do any good to carry that on. If we want to be constructive for the kingdom, then it's a good idea for us to uh, keep an eye, keep. Pray that the Lord will put a seal on our mouth sometimes. But the way that I deal with my own family is an indicator of how I'm probably going to deal with the rest of the world. Uh, And so I would uh, just like to encourage us. I'm encouraging myself and I'm trying to encourage us that. Sometimes it's a good idea to take a step back. I mean, you've all heard the count to ten thing. But if we're praying for our spouse, we're praying for our children, and we understand where their problems lie, or we have an indication of this is something that, you know, one son is just not going to hear the gospel because he sees it from a different point of view. And I've tried, believe me. I haven't hammered him over the head with it. He knows where I'm at, but I can speak to him. And I can tell it's just, it's just going in one ear and out the other ear. What does Paul tell us to do with someone who opposes the gospel? And he's talking about within the church, our neighbor's. I think it's in 2 Timothy 2, 24, he says, In the case of those who oppose the gospel, we should pray that the Lord would grant them repentance and that they will come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil who has held them captive to do his will. That's very simple, and I think it's a formula. So I guess at the heart of what I'm trying to get across is in my own family, my own circle of friends. If I'm really trying to to minister to them, minister the gospel to them, and live it out, and it's not making a dent, then this is a good prayer to pray. And it's a good prayer not to pray once. It's a good prayer to carry. I'm telling you, there were people that prayed for me for 30 years until I was saved. I promise you, my grandparents, my parents, aunts and uncles, everybody in my family, because I guess they knew what was coming uh, in my teenage years. But they never gave up. But they also didn't beat me up nonstop and tell me what a rotten sinner I was. I think they had a little bit of hope. I think they knew the foundation was laid. So my encouragement is if you've laid that foundation, if you're laying that foundation in your family, continue to lay it. And just pray for the salvation of these people. Well, That other word, heteros, which means other, that's the people that are outside these walls. Those are the people that are Pretty much outside of your circle of friends. And we see that Jesus went specifically to the poor. And if you were to look in Luke chapter 4, when John questioned is this is, hey, get a hold of my cousin and see if he really is the Christ. I mean, that's what was happening. And Jesus tells him, hey, go back and tell John. that, uh, I'm sorry, it's Matthew, but that's okay. He says, go back and tell John that the gospel is being preached to the poor, the blind are being given sight, the lame are able to walk, the deaf can hear, and I'm preaching the favorable year of the Lord to you. And so Jesus didn't know those people And Jesus went to the people that were the most despised and rejected, lepers and prostitutes and drunkards. And yeah, he hung out with them. And he sat down in those parties where those people were at. Now, I've got a feeling that they probably minded their P's and Q's when he was around. But at the same time, the very fact that he was willing to be in their midst should tell us something So my challenge is, and I can only make this challenge because I've been challenged. And the Lord has put me in two situations where I'm trying to disciple. One kid's in prison, the other guy's deathly ill. And these people have been through the roughest things in life, I think you can, that you can probably go through. And it's affected them. It's broken them. And I know you can get to the point in this life where you can give up. You can just say, what's the point of, you know, trying to do right? Because it becomes a habit, you know. But, so the Lord has challenged me. He said, Are you going to be afraid to go minister to this guy and take on the challenges that are going to come with him? You're going to get your heart broke. Guess what? That's what we're here for, I think. I mean, we're going to get our hearts broke if we're willing to invest our love in another person and try to bring them to Jesus. There will be ups and downs. There will be victories and there are going to be losses. But at the same time, we're not to give up. We're to continue on. And only through, uh, through our prayer life and, and through listening to the Lord and ha- having some discernment uh, will we be able to, A, keep your marbles because people drive you crazy with some of the stuff they do. But at the same time, we can uh, actually make a difference in that person's life. We have Mission 823. That's a prime example. If you want to be involved in something that is doing the Lord's work, that's an example. You can give to that or you can be involved in it or you can be involved in a lot of our other ministries that we have. But for the person who's willing to step out of the box and talk to that neighbor that you've been neighbors... Man, here I go again. You, you, you. If I'm willing to step out of the box and go talk to the neighbor who I've been living next to for 20 years and have not said a word to them, just eye by passing each other, that's a start. That's a start. And I... I I don't know. I'll actually ask your opinion. What do you think? Do you think that the Lord wants us to just stay in this little cubicle that moves from the house to the church on Sunday and then goes back to the house? I don't think so. I think that Jesus has called us to give it all, to leave it all on the table. And that works itself out in different ways. But... So, my encouragement this this morning, bottom line is that I trust in Jesus. I believe that I have found the secret to joy in life. And it's serving Him. Man, that sounds so trite. People can throw that around, but I really have discovered that in serving Jesus, I have found a sense of freedom that I never had, a sense of being able to actually love people and look past what that thing is that separated us. Are you willing to do that? It might take some prayer. It might take some personal things that need to be gleaned out of your own life that are standing in the way. But I invite you to do that. And if you'll bow with me, I'm going to pray in that direction. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, because you have loved us and you have given your own son to make it possible for us to be with you and not just to be with you in heaven, Lord, but to walk with you and to learn from you and to be humble. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we go, Lord, we'll consider or reconsider what we can do um, to bring comfort and to minister to those people that are around us that we know are hurting. Please, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit as we yield to you. And I pray that you will be with Mac and the team, that you'll protect them, Father, and that you'll bring them back safe. But above all, Lord, I pray that your plan, what you have planned, will be carried out and that they will be uh, blessed in the middle of what they're doing and come back with a great report. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Thank you so much for making this Uh, a place where we don't have to worry and be in fear that we're all together trying to praise your name. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.